Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In our gospel lesson today, Jesus speaks with two audiences. First, he is speaking to the crowds, and then he is speaking to the apostles. And he speaks to the crowds in a parable. Then when he speaks to the apostles in the second part of the lesson, he is explaining the parable. But we also are part of the audience as we have this faithful and trustworthy word from God handed down to us through the Apostle Matthew. So the Son of Man planted believers in the world. Yes, the sower spread his mighty seed as we saw last week, the, that uh, the seed is spent profligately, just almost recklessly being sent out even on soil that's not promising. But thus is God's mighty seed that it takes root and grows. And the evil one, Satan, came along after the seed was sown and planted weeds. In the details of the text, it, it says that he planted the weeds over top of the good seed. And both were left to grow. They grow indistinguishable from uh, each other initially. They can't tell. It just sprouts and comes up. It looks like uh, it's just the plant, that, the seed that we planted. So it's indistinguishable at first, but then it starts to bear fruit, and then the differences are seen. What should we do with these weeds? Shall we tear them up? <clears throat> Shall we clear the field of the weeds? Every farmer with good sense says, yeah. Yeah, get rid of those weeds. I mean, isn't that what you do? We need to clear these weeds out of here. They're going to choke out the good seed. They're going to steal the nutrients that are intended for the good seed, for the, the seed that actually produces a crop that we can use. We're running a business here. Let's clear these bad weeds out of here. But Jesus says, no. Lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. This begs the question of us, what exactly is God doing? At this point in Jesus' ministry, he has been uh, rejected in places. He's, in spite of the miracles he's performing, there are whole regions and whole cities that reject him and his ministry. John the Baptist is imprisoned in, with Herod, and we know what's happening soon. He's going to lose his head. Jesus himself is walking to the cross. He's on his way to the cross to give his life as a ransom for many. And so the question logically comes up, um, is this really the plan? I mean, is this really what we're doing? God, is this, this how you are going to work this out? I mean, if we understand the parable correctly, there will be weeds sown by the devil all around. And those weeds of the devil are left to grow. And so we ask, God, um, what kind of plan is this? Why would you allow the evil ones to grow alongside the saved? I would hazard a guess that when you face difficulty, perhaps you also ask questions like this. God, 
What exactly are you up to? God, why are you allowing me to suffer in this way? God, this doesn't seem fair to me. In your weakness and human frailty, you might doubt. You may have misgivings. Your trust in God can wane, especially when you deal with tribulation and persecution. I mean, isn't it a fair question to ask, God, why do you allow suffering? Why, God, do you allow persecution? How do drug dealers and child traffickers fit into your plan? Why do you allow them to persist in this world that we live in? Gang violence, poverty of mind, lies, deception of all kinds, violence, murder. You might even say, um, God, are you in control of all this? Because sometimes it doesn't feel like you are. So to answer that, look at verse 41. Because Jesus answers it here. He says, the son of man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom. Notice that, out of his kingdom. All causes of sin and lawbreakers. What? You're letting sin and lawbreakers into the kingdom? See, this reveals something about the world in which we live. And it helps us to understand this world. Because sometimes it looks like the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Well, look, this is nothing other than what Jesus has warned us ahead of time so that we would be ready and be prepared for it. The kingdom of heaven has come, but there is a now and not yet aspect of the kingdom that we live in. The kingdom of heaven has come in Jesus Christ and we have it and are in it by faith. You are all good seed, wheat that is growing to maturity and will be harvested by our Lord's angels. But at the same time, the harvest has not yet come. So that's the not yet part of it. So we live among the weeds. And moreover, and this is important practical information for all of us. Moreover, we can't tell which is weeds and which is not. Oh, we think we can, but we can't. I'll give you an example. Many, many in early Christian and even the apostles themselves thought certainly that Paul, the Christian killer, the persecutor of the, the, the way, the Christians, the one who we read about today was present at the martyrdom of the very first uh, person to be martyred in the Christian faith, Stephen. And Paul was the one present giving approval for that. Well, many an early Christian, as I said, would say, yep, Paul is a weed. Shall we pluck him out? No. Jesus says, no. Can we accept that there are some things that God knows that we don't know? And if we can, then we can be patient 
And we can see by this example of Paul, how Paul was used mightily by God to preach the word to the Gentiles. We, uh, we, are, we are recipients of this wisdom that we have uh, handed down through Paul by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so if we're not to become weed killers, if that's not what Jesus is telling us, you need to watch out for the weeds and, and terminate them, then why did Jesus tell the parable? The answer is to call you to faith and trust in God and his ways, even in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your persecution, in the midst of your confusion. Why? I don't know. I don't know. I, we fool ourselves if we think we always have an answer for why we suffer or why things don't go the way we wanted them to. But I prayed to God. Yeah. And he didn't answer your prayer the way you thought he should. That's okay. God is indeed in control of all things. And he is working all things for your benefit. This is the theme of all of our lessons this week. Isaiah 44 calls the people of Israel to look to the one true God. The Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. Right off the bat, that first portion there from Isaiah 44 is really profound. Look at it closely. The Lord, God, you see Lord in all caps, that's the, the Lord Yahweh, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord Yahweh of hosts. We see right here in Isaiah, two persons of the Trinity, the Father and the Son. Who is like me? Is there a God besides me? Obviously, no, there is not. These are rhetorical questions. And he says, fear not. Have I not told you? See, fear not. I've told you in advance so that you know, so that you won't, even though you might face setbacks or face persecution, you've been told in advance, you've been warned, so you know this is not a cause to abandon your faith. God declared through the prophets of old that many tribulations would plague Israel, that they would suffer for their sins. Yet the prophets also spoke comfort that would come in the fulfillment of God's promises. So Israel was called to trust in God, their father. And this portion of Psalm 119 we read this morning calls for that trust. I entreat your favor. Be gracious to me according to your promise. See, the, the psalmist here is bold to say to God, God, you made a promise. You made a promise. I'm holding you to it, God. Is that, does that sound audacious that we would hold God to his promise? But God invites us to do that. You made a promise. I entreat your favor because of your promise. Be gracious to me. Through the cords of, though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law, your Torah. See, even if the weeds surround me, enticing me away from you, God, and away from your holy law, I will not abandon it. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. Teach me your statutes. It's not, this, isn't God, this isn't the psalmist saying, the, the world is full of your love, God, so teach me not to eat bacon and don't dance and don't smoke and don't cuss or whatever. 
That, that's not what he means by statutes. He's saying, your steadfast love fills the earth. Teach me to see that and to receive that, to know that you are a God who is for me. I, this isn't an invitation to go on sinning, but it's also not an invitation to like be saved by keeping the law fastidiously and doing all the right things. No, it's, it's a confession that in spite of my sin, you, God, are a God who has steadfast love, continuing to be faithful even to the faithless like you and me. And again, it's that same theme of trusting whatever is happening. Trust God. And just so Jesus teaches us through this parable that we should expect to endure weeds. Thus, when trouble comes, when we look around and seeing the whole world falling apart, so it seems, we know that it is not a cause for losing hope. We don't put our trust in Congress or the next president or uh, the local dog catcher or anyone else. We put our trust in God. Now, he does serve us through those that are appointed to govern and to lead, and we pray for them, that they would allow us to quietly exist in this world and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. But that's not ultimately where we place our trust. We place our trust in God. God, the eternal, the immutable, the inscrutable God. There is no God besides him. He is a God with steadfast love. And there's an object of his steadfast love. Do you know who the object of God's steadfast love is? It's you and me. It's all people. He has a steadfast love for all. The Lord does not desire that any should perish, but that all should come to a saving faith. He has that love for all people. And we're patient. God in Christ is the redeemer who has paid the penalty for your sins. Not just your sins, but the sins of the whole world. So we do not put trust in anything or anyone above God. So have patience because God is in control. His ways are above ours. Although he has not given us to understand all that he does. After all, if he did, we would need a pretty big brain. And actually, it's not possible because we can't understand everything. And so we trust. We trust when we don't understand. Because he has given this promise. He has promised that he loves you. He's promised that he forgives you. He's promised that he will return for you. Read the, the hymns. This goes for this week and every week. Read the hymns after, after service. In fact, I've said this before, but always have a hymnal in your home. If you don't have one in your home, Take one from the church home with you. It's okay. You are given permission to take one. But have it with you. But read the hymns because in these hymns, we're singing this faith that we confess. That Jesus Christ is returning. Just as he says in our, in our gospel lesson. And when he returns, the angels will gather the wheat and the harvest. That's you and that's me. We will be gathered up and taken into his garner forevermore. Thanks be to God. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.